Greetings and welcome to the second podcast of Black Cab Show. I'm Brian Garvey and today is the 15th of December 2020. Today's subject is really just picking up from the first podcast where we left off and discussing the outcome so far before the judgment is announced. There's also talk of the revival of the Mishkondorea action by a, another group for compensation for cabbies bought out against Uber. I have Trevor Merrills, the director of UTAG, and Karen Proctor, chair of the UCG and a member of the UTAG steering committee, today here to answer a few of my questions. Welcome Trevor and welcome Karen. Question one, we've, we've waited over a week now on the Bishopsgate busgate decision by the judge. Where do we stand? Yes, we we have waited a week. Well, it's over a week now and, it, and it's, it's driving us all uh, crazy. We just want the, the verdict. We're, we're just, all of us, are just sitting back now and waiting. Well, sitting back is hardly the right expression, but we're, sit, we're waiting. We're in the hands of the judge. But we, you know the old saying, no news is good news. This is a big case. It's the biggest case the trade's been involved in since Wellbet Motors. That's how big it is. It's the biggest, tra- when they write the history of the trade, it's, 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 it's a massive case. And so it has implications for all these street space plans throughout London. So at least the judge has not come in with a preconceived idea that, you know, we got to back the regulator and got to back these councils and got to back the mayor. And these nasty cab drivers have no right to um, voice an opinion. She's actually taking the time to view all the evidence. So like you all, we're sitting here every day. We're asking one another, when do you think we're going to get the verdict? But, you know, we couldn't have done no more. We we could be getting the verdict today. We could get it tomorrow. We could get it next week. Hi, Brian. Yeah, it's um, it's it's been over a, a week now. It's been um, two weeks today since the actual hearing. But obviously, as the um, the hearing was scheduled for two days, the um, the QCs couldn't conclude the um, submissions and the, the judge asked for some additional information. So um, there were sort of deadlines set for the TFL side and for our side. So we actually submitted our um, final response as the claimants have the final say on the morning of um, Wednesday last week. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been torture waiting. Um, but we're challenging not only the A10, Bishopsgate, bus gates, but also street space. So it was a dual claim. And um, it's essentially a massive public policy decision because whilst street space is a TfL scheme, it also involves a, a number of boroughs as well because the, um, the funding from the DFT goes to TfL and the sort of deliveries in partnership with um with the London boroughs so the the, the implications um are, are big so it you know it could be be any day um and we you know we have no idea which way um the the judge is going to go but she did ask some very pertinent questions um and did a fair amount of research on top of the um the sort of thousands and thousands of pages of documentation that we put into our case. Looking at this in the grand scheme of things, is UTAG trying to establish some basic tenets in its mission with a greater goal as the end game? May I suggest compensation? When UTAG was formed, the whole idea behind UTAG was to, to hold the, re- 
the regulator accountable and protect the two-tier system and 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 also look to take an economic tort if if successful you can prove that uh, the regulator has failed in its duty and it's allowed private hire to um supply for hire via an app but you have to prove that in court obviously and we was um but so nothing's changed Nothing's changed. We're taking the regulator to court. We've just been in Bishopsgate, as we've I've said, we're waiting for the decision on that. We're starting old TFL accountable. From my perspective, I mean, I think you know it's it's clearly outlined on the um, the, the rework of the of the UTAG website that we um, published just before the the High Court hearing that um, essentially holding TfL to account for allowing Uber to work in our market is a primary aim of um, UTAG but it's not only Uber it, it's those that followed after so the Olas, the Bolts, the Captans. If, if Uber wasn't licensed by TfL in the first place to work in the same market as, as taxi drivers then the others wouldn't have, have followed. So, it, you know, in terms of com- compensation, my, my background for many years before driving a cab was, was HR. So compensation for the loss of a job would be redundancy. And essentially, we, we haven't lost the um, fight the, the job is still viable. It may be very different and it's been a tough year because of COVID, but the job is not gone and, and dead. Um, so I think it's a bit premature to talk about compensation, but if you are talking compensation, it would need to be compensation based on the reality of what comes through our window, the time you've been in the trade, but also it should be a fair reflection, you know, it's give it's a window of, of drivers and what about those drivers that you know have gone back to baker street this week just got on their badge probably put three to four years in learning their craft ready to start their their journey as a you know pardon the pun as a london taxi driver you know what what about them where does that leave them so what needs to be established in order that compensation can be entertained as a remedy the issue of compensation is a um, is a it, it's a poison chalice, isn't it? Because are we looking for to be compensated because they've worked in our market illegally? But here are we'll we'll give you some money, and um, you know now don't complain again. You've been paid off, and we'll continue to allow them to um, to operate. There's no long-term viability for the taxi trade if that's the route you want to take. And, and um, or there's another option that you you win the argument that a regulator's failed to protect the two-tier system, that private hire applying for hire within a market they're not licensed to work in and they're not trained to work in, then the compensation is big. Not only do you defend the two-tier system, you defend the distinct working practices of an acne carriage you would then encourage people that the rewards to be an acne carriage driver are X. They then would encourage people to go back and do the knowledge because the reason knowledge numbers are so low is because you can do our job within six weeks as a minicab driver via an app. And when we were talking, and we have looked at compensation, because that's where ultimately the trade needs to be compensated, but the figure that was thrown at us by the QC was a billion pound which is a lot more than what figures that are being now 
seem to be the um, in vogue in the trade. Yep, so to establish compensation, you need to demonstrate that that there's been wrongdoing or action that's been taken has been unlawful and potentially it could be unlawful and with intent to cause harm or mischief, as I believe um, sometimes they use in, in legal terminology. So compensation has to be kind of factored on on that. But it's it's so it's so far reaching. I mean, with UTAG, whilst there there are drivers that are members of UTAG and and supporters, we also have you know the the taxi suppliers, fleet proprietors, people who do have skin in the game and have a vested interest in the success of the the trade and invested heavily in that. Um, You know, the the relationship is so intertwined that it affects both sides. So what a driver may view as compensation or fair compensation may be very different to somebody whose business for many years has been built on supplying the taxi trade so I, I think things like that also have to be taken into consideration but you do need to demonstrate that there has been harm for want of a better word you were quiet about misconduct the case initially when it first launched are you surprised it fizzled out and look at it at it more deeply now why do you think it didn't come to fruition? Look, Bishram de Raya case, and that's gone very quiet. We we never we were forming new tag, and Mishcon were offering a for nothing compensation scheme, but that was basically to you know to what I said on the last question. That would be like, well, can you compensate us for your wrongdoing? This is not to stop them doing the wrongdoing. So, new tag was totally different. We don't want compensation to, to be compensated for you doing the wrongdoing. We want you to stop the wrongdoing and we want and then you look at compensation. Not like to be bribed off. Well here are cab drivers, here's twenty three to twenty up to twenty five thousand pound. Uh so what, what complaints you got there, Mr. Taxi Driver? We compensated you for it. Well my job, your job, our job is worth a lot more than twenty five K. A lot, lot more. So I don't know why what happened with Mishcon. It's up to each individual drivers whether they want to sign up for Mishcon, not for me or anyone else to tell you in your consciousness what you should do. But I won't sell my job, and I'm not looking for Uber to give me some compensation, and they can or any private hire to give you compensation for the, the the disruption they've caused and the, and the desecration of my industry, a destruction of my industry, shall I, sorry, part of my poor choice of words, destruction of my job and my industry, and they give us a, a couple of quid and carry on working. No, I, I'm of the view that what they're doing is, and TfL have allowed them to do, is absolutely illegal. It's an economic tort. It's a conspiracy tort. But I'm not going to go into details of that because that's, legal stuff um and i have seen you know some people might think that they don't buy into that waffle of not disclosing your legal case well it's not waffle when you when you actually plant the legal case and you're trying to win if your legal case is just get us the best you possibly can you get us a couple of quid then it is waffle i hope that makes sense
I think from my perspective, somebody gave me a leaflet on a, a rank, I think, when that Mishkondorea case was, was out, and I sort of had to look at it. I did look on the website, but it, it kind of felt to me like... A, a, a PPI claim and I'm a firm believer and if it sounds too good to be true often it is too good to be true you know and that may be why it wasn't successful it needed a certain amount of numbers but also I don't think it was clear what the liabilities were for for, for drivers and often I think when people say oh it's something for nothing um, for me, there's normally a, a, a catch, and if there is a, a risk or there is compensation on offer, I'd want to be really clear and understand what it is I'm being compensated for and what would I be signing away. So if I was compensated, for me, it's kind of somebody saying it was okay for Uber to work in our market and to work in a certain way for a certain period of time and now you've got a you've got a pass well what about since 2018 what about now what about the other operators who operate the same model just by chucking some money at you doesn't for me compensate what about all those drivers that worked extra hours and had time away from their their families to to pay their bills that may not be shown in their books that the, the money may look like they didn't actually take a hit but they might have worked four more hours a day or they might have worked an extra day a week it really doesn't doesn't clarify that and i think you know, if it if it wasn't successful, there there was obviously a fundamental reason why either drivers didn't have enough information or were not clear on what it was they were being offered and what they were giving up in return. But for me, when I read it, it didn't stack up what I was being asked to give up in return. Potentially was was too valuable, and also I was uncomfortable about somebody making a decision on what might affect my future as a taxi driver, and I think. Um, nobody's got the right to make that decision for me. I want to make that decision myself. So this is a long game with no shortcuts. Any paltry sum offered would be at the expense of uh, no further claims, leaving only a select few who believe it in a quick fix compensatory scheme to the detriment of anyone else who would sooner get more done to protect the job as a viable career choice or business. Yeah, look, this is a long game. This is about defending the two-tier system, maintaining our place within uh, the market, protecting our market share, protecting our working practices. And so it was, for those of us we who drive a taxi for a living, we invested hours upon hours upon hours doing the knowledge of London We've done that to give us an opportunity for a better life and a career choice. So we are the trade because we are tradespeople. We've done an apprenticeship. The knowledge of London is like an apprenticeship. So it's there's no shortcuts. There is absolutely no shortcuts. And you say about a paltry sum, of course I would have believed that why would anyone settle with you on the understanding that you can come back again later for the same argument. They wouldn't, would they? You'd sign away your, um, in my opinion, you would sign away your your argument. You would turn and say, okay, then we'll take this, and that's our compensation. Uh, that's my view. 
That's a great question, Brian. I mean, I've I've negotiated a lot of compromise agreements, non-disclosure agreements, tribunal settlements, sat in and watched a lot of tribunal cases in my previous life. And the long game is, is what matters. I mean, if you take the example of the long game, the knowledge is a long game. You know, my, my badge is valuable to me. It's very difficult to put a value of money on that because not only is it hard won, and I still believe we're the only city in the world where you can't buy your badge, you have to earn it. It, you know, it, it actually pays my bills, it's my livelihood, it feeds my family, it, it's my potential to go out and earn a living. And, you know, I wouldn't give it up lightly as anybody who's who ever has had their badge put at risk. It's, it's hard earned and can be very easily lost. So, you know, I, my concern would be other people make decisions based on the, their own views. Whilst the sum of 25k has been banded around, you've got to take out of the equation, obviously fees could be up to 40%, could be, be higher. That reduces it down even further. There's no guarantee you'll get to court. A lot of claims are settled of, of this nature are settled out of court um, by signing non-disclosure agreements. It can be horse trading. And I, I still have a, you know, a, a major concern that people that might think this is a good option for them as an individual, and if they do, that's their choice. But they're actually putting the rest of the trade who don't necessarily agree with this as a course of action at a detriment. And, and they're actually, you know, I would go as far as saying assigning a value to our to our badge. And, and I, I don't think you can you can put a value on it. You know, if there is fault found at a later date, there is an economic and conspiracy tool because there was, you know, intentional harm cost. You know, forensic accountants have to go through and assess that sort of damage, and they do it on a range of factors, not just your books, but also, you know, did you did you buy your vehicle, all that kind of stuff. I think it is a very dangerous road to go down, and and I think it's it's on par. You know, you you inherit the family silver, and, and you're you're going and and selling it for a fraction of it of its value. You know, there there are some things that are are very valuable in life, and you you don't give them up lightly, especially if you you work as hard as as we all did to get our badge. It's more a case of lining lawyers' pockets who are only seeking to horse trade the cab trade, something that you take have been accused of, ironically. See, these lawyers are looking for commissions and a payday for themselves, rather than anything that's particularly beneficial to, to, to cab drivers who might be included in the claim yeah you know often you tag gets accused of lining lawyers uh, pockets well you tag's been to the crown court and put on a fantastic fight for the trade for access to roads yeah we've had to pay the lawyers of course you have but at no time are you tag Running a book with a with a legal firm, no win, no fee merchants. Running a book, and what percentage of you, your compensation would are the are the lawyers getting? So yeah, I think that any scheme get there's no such thing as a free lunch. There is absolutely no such thing as a free lunch. So when you're saying it's costing you nothing, it's costing you a great deal. 
because it's costing you more. I've seen the latest figures from some latest mob of um, up to £25,000. Uh, £25,000. It's a lot of money, isn't it? But it's not, But is it a year's wages? Listen, you would need at least £1.5 in my opinion, to, for everyone to be fully compensated, plus then the lawyer's fees. Anything else, you're, you know, you're selling yourself short. Don't sell your manhood or your womanhood for a quick buck, in my opinion. But it's up to each individual driver how they feel on this. They want to pursue that and they're happy for that. Fantastic. I hope it all works out wonderful for you. But be aware that there's loads of people who are not involved in that and who, who will not give no um, commitment that we won't want to go to court to fight on our working practices. And as such, then it, it, it makes no sense for private hire to um, to give you compensation because they're going for because they're still going to be uh, part of a of, of an economical tort case. And you can't have an economic, you can't seek compensation without even mentioning the regulator because the people that are now saying they're going to claim this money off of Uber, well, well Uber will quite rightly claim that uh, they've done nothing wrong according to the regulator. And when it, whatever they were doing wrong, I, I assume it's going to be bookings, once it was pointed out to them, they corrected it. And if you're not prepared to hold the regulator to account, it's going to be very difficult, in my opinion. But this is only my opinion. The world's full of opinions. If you're happy and you think that is the way to go, then sign up and, and I wish you the best of luck. But it's not for me. It's not what I want to do. I want to stop them working in our market and then seek compensation, but it'll be on, on a bigger scale than £25,000. I think I've answered that. And as I say, I wish everyone who is involved in other things, I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Good luck to it with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I get a bit sick of uh, this, this phrase banded around lining lawyers' pockets. I mean, the, the legal profession have a two-tier system pretty much like we do. You have your QCs and your barristers and your solicitors, and, that you know, they all have a, a hierarchy. But good legal um, advice, and particularly good legal advice who can fight your corner and put the best case and represent the trade in the best way possible, actually on the day in the High Court, which it was unfortunate we had to do our hearing virtually, but our QC did actually represent the trade fantastically uh, you know, you would have thought that he was actually part of the, the trade himself. You know, to the point, he uh, he he came out in the cab and wanted to see the reality of what we face day in day out. To the point of learning the alternative routes for not using Bishopsgate, and you know, passionately fought our corner and and done the trade proud. Now that was more about paying the legal bill. That was about believing. In, in what's kind of happened to us as a trade and decisions that have been made that we feel are unjust and need to be corrected and all being well that judgment will will give us the justice that that the trade very much deserves he he done the trade proud and um it's just unfortunate that the trade weren't able to kind of see that in action but 
for good legal counsel, you do have to pay the appropriate money. You know, that that money is very well spent, every penny, because it's not our money at the end of the day, it's the supporters' money, it's drivers' money, it's proprietors' money, it's it's fleet suppliers' money. That money is is spent as if it was our own money and spent wisely because, you know, it was it was hard earned and it was given in good faith and it was given for the right reason and we've therefore used it in, in that way to make sure that we put the strongest and the best case forward to represent the, the trade in its current form but also to protect the, the future of the trade and what our future will hopefully look like and for the people coming through so I, I think you know sometimes you you get what you pay for and in this case we got more than we paid for so in summary we're still waiting on the decision of the honorable miss justice lang in the bishopsgate busgate case compensation is a long way off especially one that would truly take into account loss and damages incurred by cabbies and all related businesses thank you for listening and i hope to bring you another episode in the very near future This is Brian Garvey signing off from Black Cab Show. Be lucky. (laughs) 